Second Timothy chapter number two, beginning with verse number one, reads like this. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth <coughs> entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. I want to use verse number eight for our key text. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. I want to title our message this morning, Jesus is Alive. Jesus is Alive. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for allowing us to be in the house of God. God, I need your touch upon my body if I'm to preach this message. Touch me. Anoint me to share what you've laid upon our heart. I pray you'll quicken every ear to hear, every heart to receive. God, do an everlasting work in us this morning. Save the lost. Heal the sick, feel the believer. God grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. If you love him, would you say amen? <coughs> Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, the Apostle Paul said. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the cardinal truth of the Christian faith. Paul said in another place, if Christ be not risen, then is our faith in vain and we are yet in our sins. If Christ be not risen, then the gospel is not relevant because Jesus was not the Christ. Aren't you glad he is risen? <clears throat> in the gospels, we have the redemptive event in Acts we have the redemptive experience in the epistles we have the redemptive explanation Paul insists that it is the ground the foundation the base of our salvation it's also the goal of our sanctification and our service this gospel that Jesus is alive. Listen, that is the context of our reading. The ground 
of our salvation, the goal of our sanctification, and our service. In this setting of 2 Thessalonians, or 2 Timothy rather, chapter 2 and verse 1 through 10, he speaks and talks about the hardships, the trials, the sufferings that he has had to endure as a minister of the gospel. He is exhorting Timothy that he is going to have to endure the same hardships as a minister of the gospel. But this is Timothy's motivation. Verse number eight, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. He sandwiched that in the middle of all these verses of hardships, trials, and suffering to inspire Timothy to serve God. Remember, Jesus is alive. That ought to be motivation enough. Remember, Jesus rose from the dead. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Amen. This is the context of our reading. Remember, as you endure hardness, as you suffer, Jesus is still alive this morning. That is his message to us today. Remember that Jesus is risen. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus is alive. We're exhorted by Paul to do three things in the text that we read this morning. Number one, remember the fact of the resurrection. I shared in the sunrise service that the resurrection is indeed fact. That if you study history, if you were a historian and you were looking for articles, written documents, statements, witnesses, testimony, that there's more written documentation to prove that Jesus rose from the dead than there is currently to even prove that Julius Caesar ever existed. I never knew that. There's more documentation of Christ and he is being risen from the dead, seen of many witnesses, than that that Julius Caesar ever existed. We don't preach fiction. We don't preach fantasy. The Bible is based upon factual events. To believe anything else is to be totally and utterly lost. Amen. This book is supported by infallible proof and by evidence. Number one, it's supported by prophetic evidence. Christ of the seed of David, the Bible said, was raised from the dead. Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, Beginning with verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also, or that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sin, According to the scriptures, 
and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures and that he was seen of Cephas then of the twelve after that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remain under this present but some are fallen asleep he is careful to put in this text according to the scriptures Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures you ever read Isaiah chapter 53 he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquity the chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed he died according to the scriptures he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures in Genesis chapter number 3 and Verse number 15, we know that text. Well, it reads like this, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. That's the seed of the woman. That's the virgin birth. That's Christ. It shall bruise thy head. Thou shalt bruise his heel. The word bruise there is crush. He said that Christ... That Satan would crush his heel. That's Calvary. He would be smitten and die at Calvary. But at Calvary, he said, it shall bruise thy head. At Calvary, Satan was dealt a severe head blow. He was crushed. He was defeated. He was destroyed at Calvary. He died according to the scripture. And then in Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 14 and 15 reads like this. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And then in Psalms chapter 16, he rose again according to the scripture. In verse number 10, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Hell being interpreted there, Sheol or the grave. Thou wilt not leave my soul in the grave, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That is the resurrection foretold. That is prophetic evidence. Jesus himself foretold. He said, destroy this temple, this body. I'll raise it up in three days. He said, no sign will be given to this generation except for the sign of the prophet Jonah, who is in the whale's belly for Three days and three nights, he said, even so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Three days and three nights. He foretold more than once of his resurrection. So we see the prophetic evidence. Also, we look at the historic evidence. All four Gospels agree in harmony the historical evidence 
of his resurrection. Do you know you can go to Jerusalem today and you can go to the place where history says his body was laid. He's not there. Historically, we know Jesus lived. Historically, we know Jesus died. And historically, we know that there's an empty tomb. I can guarantee you, if there was a tomb that had his bones, his DNA in it, it would be on grand display. The devil would make sure everybody knew that he was indeed dead. And we preached this morning how that the devil tried to propagate the lie through the high priest. It cost them 30 pieces of silver to have Jesus crucified. It cost them a whole lot more to propagate the lie that his disciples came by night and stole him away while they slept. There is historical evidence. All four gospels agree in harmony that Jesus is indeed risen from the dead. Then there is the dynamic evidence, or rather it is, uh, it is my experience that Jesus is alive. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How did I go from being sinner to saint if he is not alive? How did I go from misery and sorrow to joy unspeakable and full of glory if he is not alive? How did I go from sick to well if he is not alive? How was I translated from darkness into marvelous light if he is not alive? Listen, miracles tell the story. There's power in the name of Jesus. Not just power in that name, but power in the person of Christ. Because he lives, we live also. As a matter of fact, along with the apostle, it's not I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. He is still yet alive. He is still yet saving. He is still yet healing. He is still yet baptizing men and women in the power of the Holy Ghost. Everything Jesus did then, he is currently doing now. How or why? Because he lives. That is the dynamic evidence, the experience in 1 Corinthians. Again in chapter 15 and verse number 8. It reads like this. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. He said in that text that we read earlier, after that he was seen of James, then of the apostles. Last of all, he is seen of me. The apostle Paul said, it's my experience that Jesus is alive. He said, they seen him and I also seen him. Amen. On the road to Damascus. He spent his life preaching of that heavenly vision and that heavenly encounter. It was his experience that Jesus was indeed alive. He heard him say, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It was Stephen's experience when Stephen said, I see Jesus 
standing on the right hand of God. Listen, we can believe and be saved or we can doubt it and be damned. But the fact remains Jesus is alive. There's prophetic evidence, historic evidence, dynamic evidence. This book is not fiction. It is not fantasy, but it is fact that Jesus lives. Number two, not only should we remember the fact of the resurrection, we should consider the force of the resurrection. What is the force of the resurrection? Resurrection power. There is power in this living Christ. Power. Resurrection power in Christ. Again, the apostle said, It is not I that liveth, but it is Christ that liveth in me. He prayed a prayer that I may know him. In the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Listen, Paul is asking Timothy, uh, who is going to be the pastor of this Ephesian church. Ephesus was a very large and a very wicked city. He's asking a young pastor in our text to consider the power of the resurrection in a fourfold word of encouragement to this young pastor. There's a, in our text, four word pictures given to us. Number one, the picture of a son. Number two, the picture of a soldier. Number three, the picture of an athlete. And number four, the picture of a farmer. Again, he's trying to encourage young Timothy to be strong. He tells him in verses one and two, Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He's encouraging him as a son. We're to live as sons in the family of God. James said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Well, I like what he said first. Now. Are we the sons of God? Not going to be saved. I am saved. I'm not the son of God, but I am a son of God. And I cry unto God, Abba, Father, by the spirit of adoption, the Holy Ghost has grafted me in by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Timothy was Paul's son in the faith. He, his mother, And his grandmother had been saved under Paul's preaching. Timothy could only be a son in the faith to the Apostle Paul because he was born again and had become a son of God by the faith. Listen, therefore, Paul could say to him, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You have a ministry. 
teach other men what you've been taught and what you've received of Christ. If we're to teach and share Christ with others, it must begin with our conversion. The confessing and forsaking of sin. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let him that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And he that is in Christ, or they that are in Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. On and on and on we could go. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? It must begin with our conversion. The confessing and forsaking of sin. Being born again by faith that is carried out in repentance from sin and obedience unto the gospel and faithfulness to Christ as Lord. Secondly, so first of all, we must live as sons. And as sons, we must be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Secondly, we must fight as soldiers in the army of the Lord. In verses 3 and 4, Thou thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Military metaphors were a favorite of the Apostle Paul. He uses them over and over again in the, uh, to the epistle to Galatia. He uses many military terms to put on the whole armor of God to fight the good fight of faith. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Listen, he tells him endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. The endure hardness in the Greek means to take your share of suffering. Take your share of suffering. That must come as an amazing message to the American church. Take your share of suffering. The American church has become very soft. We don't want to suffer. Many of us have never had to suffer anything. We, we've, never, we've never suffered stripes upon our back. We've never suffered imprisonment. We've never suffered any kind of persecution. Therefore, many Christians can't even endure having their feelings hurt. Many Christians cannot even endure if they think somebody told a lie about them. If somebody made fun of them for their Standard or for their conviction or for their faith. No one can suffer for Christ without resurrection power. Listen, Christ in me. It's not I that lives, but it's Christ in me. He's already bore stripes. He bore a crown. They pierced his hands and feet and drove a spear in his side. Laid his body in a tomb. They spit upon him while he yet lived. Plucked the beard from his face. Lied upon him. Called him Beelzebub, the prince of devils. And yet he set his face like a flint. Why? He endured the cross. 
despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of God. Hallelujah to God. He lives in me. I can endure afflictions. I can endure hardness. I can't take it, but Christ in me can. Hallelujah. I said the living Savior in me has already borne it. Oh, glory to God. Endure hardness. Take your share of suffering. No one can suffer for Christ without this resurrection power of Christ. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. To, to live with him, to live for him, is also to suffer with him and to suffer <clears throat> for him. No one can know how to fight, how to combat, how to resist Satan outside of resurrection power. In Christ. Listen, Christ has already endured. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He never succumbed to the devil. Not one temptation that Satan lay before him did Christ succumb to. But in every temptation he said, it is written, get thee behind me. Satan, for it is written, he overcame him by the word of God. He was the word of God made flesh. You're no match for the devil, but Christ has already dealt him a crushing head blow. Christ has already knocked him out for the count. You can't defeat Satan in the flesh because he works through the flesh, but Christ came. Hallelujah to God and conquered him as the man, Christ Jesus, without sin. I'm thankful to know that in Christ I have victory. In Christ I have victory. I can suffer shame. I can suffer reproach. I can suffer for his name's sake. I can also defeat the devil in the name of Jesus. Thirdly, we should also strive as athletes in the arena of God. Amen. We should strive as athletes in the arena of God. In verse number five, and if a man also strive for masteries, crowns, prizes, trophies, yet is he not crowned? except he strive lawfully. For a contestant to qualify and also win the victory, he must adhere to the rules of the game. God has a rule book. It's the Bible. A lot of people don't like to play by the rules. They like to make up their own rules. I played with a lot of guys that made up the rules as they went. Hello. I think some people like to do that spiritually. If they can't play by their rules, they don't want to play at all. For a contestant to qualify and also win the victory, he had to adhere to the rules of the game. We're to strive not only for wholehearted devotion as a soldier, 
but also wholehearted obedience as an athlete. This is an age. We live in an age of disobedience and disregard to the rules. You know, America has a rule book. Am I right? It's called the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights. We live in an age of disobedience and disregard to rules. That's true in the White House. He don't want to live by the rules. Wants to make them up as he goes. That's been true in the courthouse. They don't want to live by the rules. I can tell you the rule is we're a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. And when these liberal judges override the vote of the people, they're rewriting the rule book. I'm not going to preach politics, but it's in the White House, it's in the courthouse, but it's also in God's house. We don't get to pick and choose what part of the book we want to live and which part we don't want to live. If it's in the Bible, then it's our authoritative rule. It's our command to obey. Not to obey is disobedience. And disobedience, the Bible said, the wrath of God abideth upon the children of disobedience. I don't want the wrath of God to abide upon me. It's one thing to run in the race, to participate. It's another thing to do so within the rules. Listen, we're brought under the discipline of Christ when we become children of God, sons of God. We are his disciples. The word disciple means a disciplined follower of Christ. We are then brought under the discipline of Christ. Some have won to later be stripped of their crown. We've seen that in our lifetime. People win a gold medal. People win a championship. People win a a prize, a crown, only later to be stripped. Why? They cheated. You ever heard of PEDs? Sure, this generation has. Performance enhancing drugs. It will cost you more to strive lawfully than it is to cheat. In baseball, that was just a sport I liked growing up. The home run king was Henry Aaron, Hank Aaron. He's still considered by most to be the home run king, even though he was passed up by a guy named Barry Bonds. Want to know what's linked to the name Barry Bonds? It's not home run king. What is it? PEDs, steroids. He's not even being voted on for the Hall of Fame. He's not recognized as the home run leader. Why? He didn't strive lawfully. Shane is forever linked to his name. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Alex Rodriguez. Sure, they achieved a lot of milestones, but they didn't do it within the rules. They did it by cheating. 
bending the rules, sneaking. Fourthly, we should work like farmers in the field of God in verse number six. The husbandman that laboreth must first or must be first partaker of the fruits. We should work like farmers in the field of God as a son. Timothy was to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. As a soldier, he was to fight wholeheartedly for Christ. As an athlete, he was to compete according to the rules. As a farmer, he was to labor and work diligently until he was a partaker of the fruit. Listen, only through labor could he hope to be rewarded with a harvest. If you don't ever sow, certainly you're not going to reap. If you don't break up the fallow ground, certainly your seed is not going to take. So you've got to break up the ground, you've got to sow. And then that farmer was left to pray and ask God for rain if he hoped for a harvest. Christ said we should bring forth fruit. And then he said we should bring forth more fruit. Then he said we should bring forth much fruit. He said that he was the vine, we're the branches, and the father is the husbandman. And every branch that bringeth not forth fruit, he prunes it, cuts it back. I've watched him as pastor. This church is the vine. I've watched him at times prune it, cut it back. Painful thing for me. I'd lay in the floor and cry and ask God, why? What are you doing? And the Lord said, this is my vine. It has ceased to yield me fruit, but it's my will that it should bear fruit. And then once it bears fruit, I prune it so that it bears more fruit. And I prune it back again so that it'll bear much fruit. Anybody ever had a vine, scoping vine? You don't cut it back, what happens? Don't produce, does it? Christ called us that we should produce a harvest. We should bring forth fruit, more fruit, much fruit. The Christian life is not just a difficult life, but rather an impossible life. Christ is the only one who ever lived this life. Christ is the only one who ever lived the Christian or the Christ-like life. A life of victory over sin, self, and Satan. Only the resurrected Christ in us, through us, can replicate this life to the pleasing of the Father. We're to remember the fact of the resurrection. We're to consider the force of the resurrection. And last, we're to deliver the faith of the resurrection. We're to deliver the faith of the resurrection. If we know the fact and the force, we cannot be silent about the faith. If we know the fact of the resurrection and the force of the resurrection, then we cannot be silent about the faith. Listen, in verses 9 and 10, wherein I suffer trouble. As an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. 
Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We must preach the gospel and live the life no matter the cost. This is his exhortation to Timothy. We must preach the gospel and live this life no matter the cost. The word of God, he said, is not bound. Even though at times Paul would be bound in fetters and chains in prison, he said the word of God can never be bound. We must still preach. We must still testify. We must, we must still live this life and be the witness. You know, the word witness means martyr. We must still suffer martyrdom for Christ's sake. Listen, our message, the gospel, must be our life. And our life must be the message. As a preacher, Paul was saying, this message has brought me trouble. Living holy, living blameless. He said in verse... Number nine, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer. He lived holy. He lived spotless, blameless. But he was called an evildoer. The word evildoer is translated in the Greek malefactor, a criminal. Just like the two men hung upon the cross next to Christ. To preach, we have to be identified with Christ. And verse number 11 is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. We've got to identify with the crucifixion, with the suffering of our Savior. To preach, we must be identified with it. If we don't die with him, we cannot live with him. And then, then in verse 12, if we do not suffer with him, we cannot reign with him. And if we deny him, he will deny us. And we must preach wherever the call. Not only we must preach the gospel and live this life no matter the cost. We must preach wherever the call. This gospel is still a whosoever will let him come. This gospel is still out of every tribe, out of every kindred, tongue, and nation out of every race it is a whosoever will gospel it is in the streets it is in the prisons it is in the church house it is in the poor house the school house the courthouse and yes even the white house there cannot be a separation of church and state this gospel must be preached everywhere to all people in all generations Oh God, that we might know this resurrected Christ in his resurrection power. God help us in this late hour.